This episode of the Diversity Ally podcast contains some strong language. Discretion is advised. Hi, Wes. It's great to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks very much. <laughs> I really want to have you on, actually, as someone who's an entrepreneur and created a business in the events industry, but also because, to put it bluntly, you're a black male. And to be honest, we don't hear enough of the black male perspective at all. So mm. that's why I was really keen to, to kind of get you on. And really, it'd be nice to hear a bit of a background on kind of uh, early years, as it were, um, how you kind of came into the events industry and how you kind of launched your business slash businesses. So over to you. Uh, yeah, so uh, my background was I started in events uh, back in 1990, 89, 90, where um, I cut my teeth uh, looking after the hospitality areas, the VIP hospitality areas for my dad's boxing shows. Um, my dad, um, through the late 80s and the early 90s, was the country's biggest sports promoter, sports agent, um, and he promoted shows like uh, Nigel Ben versus Michael Watson, um, to um, a Nigel Ben versus Chris Eubank. So anybody over the age of 40 will generally know that they were prime time terrestrial TV um, highlights, highlights of the year. Yeah. Um, and you had everybody attending from the likes of your Jonathan Rosses um, to, you know, the Bob Geldofs of this world and uh, the Joan Collinses and everybody, everybody, it was anybody used to come to those fights. So it was something which... Um, I uh, was responsible for, and it taught me the art of tact and, uh, you know, working with people, understanding um, and, you know, using your ears and those two eyes more than you use your mouth, mm. uh, which is remarkable for me to say. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I went that path, and then... Um, after leaving working with my father, I, I went to a publishing house, um, uh, a now um, defunct public publishing house um, called Highbury House. Mm. Um, during my time there, they asked me to put together the team and launch uh, Women's Health magazine, which is a staple on the uh, consumer, consumer lifestyle titles, um, areas on you know, your newsstands when you walk into a news agent's wherever. Um, global phenomenon um and something which uh, was a a hell of a challenge because they gave us just uh an eight-week window in which to um get things you know up running sell the advertising and get out so it was a real lesson in just forward thinking just getting on with it every single day every single day was a challenge it wasn't a six seven eight month Thing where you can do research into da 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 da, yeah. so that gave me the um, the uh, the reinforced gumption to just go and do things. And then um, a couple of years later, I went and had a sabbatical, let's call it, and I ended up at a public place where I met um, my business partner Dan Bear Park, um, and um, we uh, worked on a publication called The Organizer, which was. Um, a directory for the events industry and that kind of brought everything back into the you know the hospitality publishing and then events um media uh, uh kind of mold yeah. um that has led led me to then go back to highbury and create prestige events 
magazine for them. So they brought me back after the success of Women's Health. And uh, yeah, um, the Prestige Events, um, a magazine that strives to portray, um, you know, the, the, the coolest venues, the most charismatic and original and aspirational venues yeah. and services companies out there, um, unequivocally with, with no bias. That then spawned off the Cool Venue Awards, which top trends every year mm. um, for the past, you know, 12 odd years, 13 years. And also spawned off the uh, 2020 uh, mm -hmm. Speed Networking Series. We've done 130 sold out events and they bring together buyers and suppliers, um, event bookers and event venues and services companies in a speed dating fashion. And, mm. uh, you know, become dominant in that market. And yeah, I, um, it's, it's good. It's all good. Already, so I um, attended as a, as a venue manager and, yeah, they're great. They, they are great. You get, get some, have that one-on-one -on -one time with buyers. So, you know, it was really fun. The food's always good. The venue's always amazing. You meet good buyers. You get good business out of it. So, um, yeah, I have to sort a little plug there, but I have to say I've, I've benefited from the experience. So, yeah, it's a great idea. Thank you. I mean, the challenge is always, and I'm going to say it because um, I think this is the perfect platform to say it. Um, you know, I, I, I perceive you know, I'm perceived to the world as being black. And I, I say to everybody that I am black. Mm. Um, and yet the irony is that, um, you know, in, in the bang on now, I'm, I'm termed as being mixed race. And I suppose that's right and appropriate because my mum's white and my dad is black. Mm. Um, but um, uh, despite everything, uh, I, the, we've had to, um, you know, work so 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 much more harder we get we get given less favors let's put it right. that way and i don't want to say this don't make this a sound wrong what mm. i mean is we get we get given no not less favors that's the wrong word we get given less um leniency when it comes to um uh the quality of mm. the buyer so we have to make sure and we learned this in our early days we have to make sure that the buyer quality is absolutely as high as you can possibly make it yeah. and as much as you can control it to, to deliver that because um, unfortunately um, there are one or two people who I suppose just come in with that kind of ingrained attitude and it's, it's excusable it's understandable because of maybe their lineage or parentage and things that maybe they've been brought up to perceive and it's, it's understandable um but just quickly was so how so when you first kind of say launched the the 2020 events yeah. what, what what were the challenges if there were any challenges that you kind of faced that maybe you've had to work really hard um, to kind of rectify now and also you said you've grown and you've learned you've learned as you've gone along but what maybe were some of the challenges that you faced as, as a business and perhaps as a mixed race male massive challenges um were initially um in that it's a different world to hard it's hard to um go back um how can i put this best it's hard to now think mm -hmm. of um it, how it was in 2004, 2003, 2004, when we launched Prestige Events magazine. Mm -hmm. Back then, um, I could probably count on two hands the number of people um, that were uh, black, you know, orientation mm -hmm. in this industry. It, it genuinely was like that. Um, and the challenges, therefore, were um, kind of, who are they 
Mm, yeah, lazy sort of rhetoric um, mm. about um, these guys are trying to do something that is too uh, radical was always a worm that was thrown up. Mm. And that used to really annoy me because we were trying to create something that was different to the mold, which was if you wanted editorial, you didn't have to be a client. And then when we later went with the aspect of the Call Venue Awards, um, every media title has its own awards. Um, we decided that it would be an open entry contest, uh, which completely bucked the normal model, which is that you, you know, you, you pay pay a fee when you submit your nomination. Yeah. The problem there, Gabby, um, was that you know using that method, you know, the common sense um, uh, appropriation of it was that you lose engagement. You mm. lose engagement, and um, because it's only open to those who have got the biggest budgets, and it's not really a reflection. So, mm. um, I twinned on to that idea and I said right okay if this is the feedback that I'm getting then I'm going to do something that's a bit different um so we made it an open entry contest we therefore got the engagement we therefore top trending on social media we therefore were averaging um on the audit three times the number of social media exposures as all the other industry awards put together mm. uh, but still we were being used the phrase was radical because we're, we're led you know as an organization by a black guy and it was really, really doubly frustrating. Thankfully, um, there are people out there who um, are more cultured, but there was, there's always like a, a lazy group um, amongst the room. But I, I do use the analogy that you have 10 people in a family, there's always going to be one or two donuts in your family that you just have to excuse. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> Actually, just quickly going back. Um, yeah. What, why did you want to set up your own business? What was the impetus for that? Is that something that you've always yeah. wanted to do or something you kind of fell into just because of your experience? Uh, yeah, I kind of want to know why you're That's the very different pathway. That is a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll be honest, with you, I've never been asked that question in that way. No, never, honestly. Um, not even my wife has asked me this question. Um, trust me, she asked me about 21 questions um, and she's right and entitled to do so. But I've never been asked that question. Why did I want to start up a business? Okay, let's rip it back to the root. Um, I never had an ambition to uh, start my own company. And I'll be really honest there and truthful. Um, I was happy um, to have continued working in the companies that I was working for up until the point where I felt that the ceiling, yeah, right. wasn't a fair ceiling. Right. And um, so I was working on women's health and there was 200 plus magazines in the group at Highbury House Publishing. Mm. Now, anyone would ask the question, they'd say, right, if you're launching the biggest title amongst the, you know, the portfolio of over 200 magazines, yeah, and these include titles for the likes of CNN, and everybody yeah. um then surely you would be you know one of the highest paid the mm. reality was that i was the lowest paid interesting now this was 1998 um there was also something that ignited my uh, ambition uh you know opened um how would i put it, it I, there was always uh, always as a kid there was always that thing oh if I did my own company but I was happy where I was but there was another thing that was said and that was when we was um, 
when we were launching the very first edition of Women's Health magazine, it was the summer of 1998. Um, the editor at the time, um, it was a guy, I'm not going to say his name, Ian, you know, but he knows who he is. It wasn't a she, it was a he, so everyone can work that one out. Um, we had a massive row um, and it was because he turned around and he said that, because um, we all agreed, a majority, that the front cover image was going to be, um, you know, a, a strong black woman, yeah? Um, and his response was, black people don't sell magazines. Mm. I said, sorry? He said, black people on covers don't sell magazines. I said, what, what century are you in? Yeah. And the, the response was no. And then I went away when they placated me. Um, I then went away on a three-day um, break, um, you know, basically an extended weekend. And uh, I came back and discovered that they'd gone with a Getty Images stock image of uh, a white Caucasian female. Mm. And advertisers were really pissed off because I'd sold them on that image. Yeah, they love that image. They love the they love the thrust um, of attitude. You know, um, it was so forward thinking. It was a new decade that we were a new millennium that we was about to enter. Mm. They loved all the attitude. It made it different from everything else on the stands. And instead, we went back to a kind of stock image. Um, so, I um, then that was the catalyst for me saying, do you know what? If you're going to do anything, you're going to it's going to be you doing your own thing. Um, I stuck it out there. Um, but then I just got to a point where I, I just realized that also earnings wise with a young family, uh, back then two young children and a wife, um, that my promised bonuses weren't happening. They were not happening. My, so I said, right, I'm not being met. My ambition within the company is not being met. I'm not being recognized. I'm not getting the opportunity to be promoted. Um, I was just, uh, the advertising manager. Uh, on a single magazine, uh, what I was doing wasn't being recognised and maybe being offered a group role or something like that. Um, and I thought, you know what, if you're going to do anything, you've got to do it on your own. And that's it, quite simply. So um, it was ironic. I left there for a sabbatical, came back, um, launched Prestige Events magazine. They promised me that I'd have control and all that sort of stuff. And instead, nah, um, the same thing kind of happened again. Um, and uh, I just decided to do my own thing. I just said, look, you know what, I'll buy the title off you because that was the only way I was going to realise my own ambition because yeah. of the ceilings um, that were um, in place. You know, there were no managers um, or senior managers at that time, um, you know, that I could see who were of black orientation. And that mm -hmm. really, can I, I don't know if I can use bad language on here at all. <laughs> It's okay, go for it. <laughs> I was, I was, I was coming home every day so fucked off. Um, it was really driving me mad because here was a guy that was responsible, as I say, for the biggest publication in their group. Yeah, um, and I think if you quote any of their titles, one this is one title that's still to that amongst the of titles that people will go, I recognise that one straight away. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Absolutely, I see it on the newsstands. Second thing was. Uh, I was being given a lot of responsibility. So I had all the networks in the group within the company. I was running the company football team, you know, like they had like 400 employees. Um, so I was responsible for the football team and everything, the whole lot. We used to, you know, to, we used to play in a proper league. Um, yeah. So I, I had all the connections. I'm in mean, the real strong relationships at the top director level, um, so, you know, the CEO level and everything. But I won't get anywhere. 
It just wasn't getting anywhere. And I just thought, you know what? All that is telling me is that there is a systemic inherent poison that sits within the subconscious. Yeah, or I don't know whether it's some sort of unwritten sort of charter, um, but there is something there, um, and it just it just gnaws me off every single day. And I had to leave it because it was a poison that was dragging me down uh, and making me actually challenge um, my own confidence, my own mm -hmm. esteem, my mm. own beliefs, um, in my own ability. And I thought I'm, I'm worth more than that, you know? So that, that led me to then go look elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally hear you and totally understand what you're saying there. I mean, <laughs> is this a question or not? But I mean, how far have we come? So what we now, so what, 25 years ago or whatever? I wonder how much more we've actually progressed from sort of like the male, white, middle-class, able-bodied, dominated leadership, glass, glass ceiling, boardroom leaders, you know? It, I'd like to think, I'd like to, I, I, I look at it from two perspectives. From 16 years ago when I launched the magazine, 17 years ago, um, I walk around shows now and I do see visibly um, a lot more uh, people, um, you know, um, I, I don't really like using the term BAME, but I understand because I don't like to be classified as a BAME. I mean, like as in the sense of, um, you know, I, I just think that we are people, you know, mm -hmm. and whether you're black, whether you're brown, you know, the fact is we are people, but um, um, so I don't like them giving us even as a, a, a particular sort of, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? A flag as a, as a such. And a, uh, but the reality, yeah, let's call it as it is. I see a lot more black people walking around. Um, and that's good to see. My question is, um, how many black people do I see in visible senior positions? I don't. Yeah. That's, the, that's the fact of the matter. Um, I look at um, representatives in culture and general society. So I look at the fact that we've got a mayor of London, yeah, um, in Sadiq Khan. Um, I look at the fact that half the England team that you'll see play at the weekend will be black, uh, probably more than that. Mm. Probably about six or seven players will be black amongst the 11 that start. Mm. Um, but once again, in sport, you don't see any representation at the top level or amongst the top level. Yeah. And that's because, as I say, there's a systemic poison that's almost written into the subconscious. It's almost part of the DNA that mm. exists. Um, so, mm. yeah, have I seen change? I, 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 I've seen change at a certain level. Um, but... Uh, the disappointing factor is that another generation it has taken, and I hope that this generation um, doesn't take its foot off the pedal. It's so, it's so, so, so important. Otherwise, another 20 years will go by, and then we'll be talking about this scenario, you know, with um, the next generation coming through, and we'll be saying um, that we had, you know, the ball by the horns there, and we really, really didn't, you know, make the changes that were necessary. Exactly, exactly. Agreed. Um, you know, as a, as a business owner and as a salesperson, I mean, you're, you're very much front of your a face of your business, you know, not in the background. <laughs> as I make the please. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but... <laughs> no, 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 it's, my, it's honestly, seriously. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I have no problem with that, you know. Yeah. yeah, no problem at all. Absolutely. So, yeah, I am visible, yeah, in the front. No, so, I've interrupted the question. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, have you... What's the? How do I want to ask this? Have you seen it? I don't know if this is a bit of a leading question, but have you seen it as a positive or a hindrance, or neither? <laughs> you might not have seen neither, but have you seen? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a very good question. Yeah. Okay, really good question. I sat on a multiculturalism panel that was run by um, another uh, podcast about Mm -hmm. five years ago. Um, I uh, am run by um, uh, Kevin Jackson. Um, And on this uh, panel um, uh, were people from the industry. And there was myself, uh, Wally Jahanga, who runs a... Uh, algebra consulting um there was uh, mandy myhill um i forget the name of the company that she runs mm-hmm. and uh, there was azif mirza so the issue was uh, multiculturalism and events and i said i'll tell you now in five years time yeah we'll still be talking about the same thing because <laughs> i was talking about this five years before that and five years before that and five years before that so yeah. uh unless you actually get out there and do your own thing um you know, and this is what really drives me mad because then you have to go as an independent and fight against the bigger institutions. Coming back to your question um, about being out front, um, Waleed answered it best. He said, um, though I have, you know, he does Asian events, so Muslim lifestyle festivals and such and such. He said, when I need to go into present to white people, yeah, he said, I've got a team of white people that I send in. Mm. <laughs> I've heard this many times, you know, that's why I was interested to ask what your thoughts were. That's exactly it. So my point now is that I know, yeah, um, we've got a breadth of clients and I've not got a chip on my shoulder at all whatsoever. Um, yeah. You know, my mum's white, um, my divine guiding spirit, my nan, George, Nanny Kate George, you know, <laughs> she's white. Um, and... Uh, my daughters are both Caucasian in appearance, and I just don't have that sort of. My best mate Lenny, oh, that sounds like a real get out, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, everyone knows us. Like we've been like we're 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 closer than anybody's close um, for forty three years, and you know he's the whitest black man in East London. So <laughs> what you've got is um, is um, a real kind of head scratcher as to why do these other people act in this way? What, what is it? What is it? You know, and but you understand, you know, you, they're uneducated or what have you. Now you have this situation about going out in front and um, being the, 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 the person who's the, um, yeah, that, that's right. I, I, and I get it. I really do understand why Wally did what he did, but um, we do the same appropriation. So for example, there'll be certain, uh, groups of people who um maybe think that i am you know maybe a, they, they use phrases like bullshit or a, a, a bit radical or lazy comments um like he's, he's you know he's a bit of a you know i've heard one two people say oh he, he's a bit of a don king oh, i forgot the fuck <laughs> um, yeah. oh i don't turn around and, they, and say to them you know oh you know you're uh you're a bit of a Donald Trump. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and that is just the wrong, it's totally, I couldn't be further from donking, but, um, and you know, here's a proud person who has run a company for 17 years, never had a single debt, you know, never had swerved a single thing, never had a single legal claim against them or anything. I'm not sure in my own boat, but you know, we do things the right way, but still I have to send um, my business partner, Dan, in you know to go to certain meetings with certain people because you can tell from the vibe on them that you're not getting anywhere with them and you know that it is something other than what it is the product that you're offering it's something else so 
we do that. And if I'm really frank, I mean, you know, it's it's something that really, really bollocks me off. And I swear to God, it can ruin every time. I have to calm down. I've got a note in front of me on my laptop every time, which says to me, um, sometimes there's people you just can't understand with, you know, close the door on them and walk down the corridor. And that is it. And that's my, that's my motto in life. I mean, it's, it's tragic. It really, really is. Um, something needs to be done about it. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's always necessarily a conscious thing because, you know, there's that, that old adage or that saying that people buy from people, right? And yeah. if there aren't enough representative people in a business <laughs> who represent the spectrum of our society, it's hard to get that connection anyway, you know? So, yeah. I, I mean, I look, back to, I look back to Star Trek. Yeah, I, I always do. I watch, I watch episodes of Star Trek, the classic ones. You know, they go to another planet and then, you know, someone doesn't engage with Captain Kirk yeah, <laughs> or Picard. So what then they do is they send in somebody else, you know, who they do have an engagement with. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. If it's personalities or if it's cultures, but when it comes down to just basing someone totally, you know, upon the colour of their skin, their creed, yeah, mm. or some lazy rhetoric, you know, that is completely lazy, mm. then that is where I get so much. It dissipates so much energy, um, mm. and I say it does. Um, uh, though every time, as I say, you have the reminder note in which to, you know, move, close that door, move on down the corridor, you know. Mm -hmm. And if they then, you know, realise that you are so engaged, they will then catch up with you and they will say, oh, let me have a bit of that. Let me, let me get on a bit onto that. And I suppose it rolls back to um, 1984, that ideology, understanding, which was that you, you, you had a period in the early 80s where um, you look at the explosion of MTV. Michael Jackson couldn't mm -hmm. get on MTV. You know, and here was the, the the biggest black superstar in the world. Now, um, suddenly MTV, you realise that, shit, you know, we better put him on here. Similarly, Pepsi decided that they wanted to capture some of that energy. So they, you know, went and sponsored into the tune of, I think it was something ridiculous, like 30, 40 million quid. Initially, you know, but you're asking yourself the question, why didn't they necessarily sponsor him before that point? Yeah. It wouldn't have been just a, a oh, we're going to go and do this. Um, and mm. indeed, why didn't other companies do so? Um, mm -hmm. And it was such a successful relationship that ran the best part of almost 10 years between them, albeit obviously he had the burns at the beginning of it. But I did ask the question, which was, you know, what was Michael Jackson's attitude um, towards not getting the recognition in those early years? Because he'd been around for like 13, 14 years as you know, one of the biggest global superstars at that point through the Jacksons and the Jackson 5, etc. off the wall. Mm. And when he'd done the off the wall album, the lesson to learn from that was he didn't get any recognition. He got up on that stage at the Grammys. He smiled in their face despite the fact that he had the best selling album of the year in off the wall. Mm. Um, and every, all the critics said that it was the best. And he only got recognised with the best soul album. Mm. Right? Now, <laughs> That, the lesson I always say is what can I learn from understanding people's actions? What can I, what can I get as a, an end understanding? Because then I can just move on. I can. It's still like any kind. If you have a domestic problem or whether it's a problem with systemic racism, what can I understand? Try to understand them, but then close the door on them and just keep moving. 
Mm. Just keep moving. Because if you sit in that wall of molasses, um, which your, you know, your central nervous system can just regress to, it's mm. just like, because you think, this is unfair, this is unfair. There will be people out there that will gravitate towards that energy. And those people that maybe were so blinded by their subconscious and you know, the poison that's in there, they will then use their real cold cats thinking and go, well, if they're doing all right money-wise, then I better get on with them. You know, they'll come back to you. They'll come back to you. Um, and that, that really, you know, is um, a, a, an understanding of the challenges, um, you know, that are faced um, and how do you deal with them on a daily basis. You, you just can't, you just can't, can't, can't sit within a wall of molasses. If you do, um, uh, it will destroy you. And mm-hmm. it's happened to me on one occasion. It really did. And it happened within... Um, and I was thankful for having somebody that told me, listen, and they much said the same thing to myself back nearly 20 years ago. And I was, re- I was, I'm eternally thankful for it. What did they say? <laughs> just they just said to me, Wes, nutshell, they said that same thing. Wall of molasses, wall of molasses. Yeah. You, this world is a big old place. And if you don't get the recognition yeah. If you just keep on moving hard and fast, doing what you're doing, delivering what you should be doing, yeah, and keeping it as clean as a whistle, don't give them anything to be able to point fingers at at all and make it as, you know, as tangible, remember those phrases, tangible and as transparent as you can possibly do. And, um, and that's it, as simple as that, you know, and, and you'll get out, leave the wall of molasses behind, you know, and... Um, that was then succeeded by that phrase, which someone told me 10 years ago, um, which was just, you know, close the door on that, you know, issue, that person, that individual, that organisation, whatever entity it is, and just walk on down the corridor, just keep on going. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, it's fucking hard in systemic racism. It really, really is. Um, and it agitates me because my daughters are now 27 and yeah. 23, coming on, George 24, should I say, and hopes 27 coming on 28. Um, and they tell me that, it, they tell me, uh, particularly Hope, you know, is very, 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 very full threat um, in terms of culture and understanding. And, and mm-hmm. she's right up with it. Um, and Hope appears to the world as Caucasian. But mm-hmm. she tells me that, Dad, it's still there. And it's frightening. It really is. The lazy attitudes, um, you know, towards black people. Um, the 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 perceptions of black people and what they are, mm-hmm. and um, that to me um, means that I have a responsibility to lend it forward to pass, you know, to do what we can do. Yeah, agreed. Same. I feel exactly the same way. Um, just kind of finally, what advice would you give to young people trying to? enter the industry now like but if we forget covid <laughs> and all of the kind of storm that's happening if it was kind of like a regular year new new person trying to come into the events industry particularly young black males are there any is there any advice that you you would give them yeah um first advice i would give them yeah is that don't expect anybody to give you anything right now yeah and shovel all notions um, of, um, you know, 
uh, you know, some, some sort of people being off with you because of your colour of your skin or what have you, at this moment in time, yeah, shovel all those thoughts aside. Because right now, um, you know, people are pretty, pretty stressed and black and white. Um, sorry to use a pun. <laughs> um, but they, they really, really are. They really are. Um, and I would say um, don't necessarily just, just, just you, 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 you've got the perfect excuse to say that people are pretty, pretty stressed. But, but that doesn't deny that the poison is still there in the industry. How to get around and how to actually move forward and access the industry. Mm. Um, you know, I had this conversation with my um, younger siblings because um, despite the fact that I'm now, what, 48, um, I've got younger brothers and sisters that are in their mid-20s and one runs a theatre um, group and she's right in the middle of it and she's saying, look, I'm going to look at other avenues, etc." Yeah. Cousins and what have you that are younger. How do I get into the events industry, Wes? Um, and I said to them, why don't you look through the age of social media? Yeah, think like a rock group. Think like a music band. Mm. Where I'm going with this is think like the Beatles did, you know, um, or like James Brown did, you know, with his famous flames, you know. And that was that now with the age of social media, you can pull together the different components and form your own. Mm. Form your own. Own your own. Mm. Don't necessarily go to employers. Yeah? Fuck employers. Know your own worth. You've just gone and got a rich education, possibly, you know, at a university doing an event management course. You've maybe got rich know-how in experiences. You know, don't be greedy. Form a collective. You know, pull the different strands of your band together, mm. knowing what each person brings to the act. Mm. And you can go out and offer something that is more dynamic, more in touch with what is now. You'll be amazed at how many business owners, um, big, fat, lazy, haven't got a clue yet on terms of what's going on out there right now. Um, throws up uh, a screen caption of that fellow in Wayne's World <laughs> that goes on <laughs> to promote, um, you know, his, his arcades in, a, in a, an image. Um, but it, it, you, you have out there the opportunity now whereby uh, I would say to any young black people that are saying, I'm not getting anywhere, the opportunities are out there, they're being denied to me, people are not accepting my CVs or... Um, and definitely any sorts of barriers, fuck the barriers, fuck being employed, go out there, pull together your own band, yeah, go out there, okay, where's the events that you've got experience on? <laughs> fuck that, you don't need any events right now. You're out there challenging on the same platform as anybody else, you know, pull together the CV, you know, pull together, you know, uh, a decent looking, you know, um, and you can do a minimalist presentation, you know, as a front on, on social media, on your website. Um, it doesn't have to be massively expensive. You know, Ape, Mimic, do exactly what all the top agencies do. It's all out there. When we was kids, you had to go to the library and get books or what have you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's all there at the touch of your fingers. So now you can just mimic, emulate, and um, you can be whoever you want to be. Whoever. If that means that you create different identities, 
fuck, Jay-Z, that ain't his real name, is it? <laughs> so my point is in question. You know, you're in a new era. Take it. Run forth with it. Don't sit back. You know, you are only, yeah, what you believe you can be. And it is, a, you know, it sounds like such a, a cliche, but the truth of the matter is um, you're in the, probably the most dynamic city in the world. One of the things that makes it entirely rich is the, you know, the different cultures. You can be whoever you want to be. You know, go and speak to a grime artist, you know, um, and say to him, is that your real name? He's like, no, mate. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm such and such. You know, my mum calls me by my real name and such. You know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You, you, you can go out and you can present yourself, but pull together the different strands. There's so many people out there that can add, you know, and don't look to take 100% of the pie. Mm. Incentivize people so you give them a share of the pie when you're starting something from its origins, mm. you know? So everybody feels like they're driving towards a goal, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're the lessons that I would say to anybody that is young, feeling that, you know what, where's the way forward? You can now go and compete on the same level as an agency that's been established for maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Because right now, all the end clients really want to know, yeah, is what it is that you, in your organization's experience, and if you've got a collective experience across this area, that area, this area, that area, this area, they'll give you a go. Mm. They'll give you a go. But you might not get the bigger events, but they'll give you a go. And it's the access entry to go into where you need to go. But you need to have that collective wealth, an A-team, that can take you forward. And you'll be amazed. Right now, it's the perfect time. It's the absolute perfect time because of what's happened with COVID. You know, you've got people that are, again, much more flexible and free, free thinking, whereas previously they would have been, um, now nah, I've got this job and, um, you know, I've got to be there at nine and I've got to be there till six or seven o'clock. Now, mm. it's an attitude of, hey, look, new era, new times. Yeah, what can we do? Yeah. And it's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. It is, and it's a creative industry, you know, so get, get creative. There's yeah. so many ways that you can put yourself out there, and all that personal branding is so important as well, and the collaboration aspect, and there's so many people out there now looking to collaborate. You're right, and people are thinking out of the box more and, and are less fearful about going out and doing their own things, due, I mean, partly due to the circumstances, but you're right. This is a golden opportunity, golden time for this opportunity. So It's the most wonderful era, as tragic as it sounds, as... as and I say that, right? I sound, I sound like Trump. Sorry, shit. Can you rephrase that, right? <laughs> it's, the, it's the most um, wonderful opportunity. And I use that phrase, yeah, because uh, my name's Jules, God bless her soul. Um, she told me that when she came, when it came out of World War II, um, and then you saw the new thing coming through 10 years later there was kids that were bubbling under you know wanting to you know uh, you had the all the different groups form you know like the mods and everything else and all of that types um you had the the beatles the rolling stones and she said and they saw an opportunity there they saw an opportunity because um there was a new movement and there was a new attitude there was a shift in attitude and that's what anybody who's coming into the events industry um, should be looking at. They should be saying to themselves, on the undercurrent of what is happening visibly out there right now, this is a perfect opportunity for us to get in there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
And if they're not going to give us the positions within the organisation, then <laughs> that, you know what's better than that? Us having our own organisation. Yeah, because like Barry Gordy did with Motown back in the late 50s, early 60s, yeah. same thing. Barry Gordy wrote Reap Petite for Jackie Wilson. Everyone mm. knows that song, you know. Da, 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 da. Um, and, <laughs> but what he did was he realised that, hey, rather than taking, you know, just a single, low single figure digit, you know, percentage of that song and the huge royalties that they claim, you know, got generated worldwide. Instead, what the dude done was he went and he pulled together, you know, his team and he created Motown. Yeah. And he owned 100% of it. Yeah. And he was ready to give up some shares along the way and what have you to other people, um, but he put up 100% of the money. If you can go, right, we haven't got the money necessarily, but we can put it in from anybody's ready to contribute and bring in their know-how and their skills. Absolutely. Be flexible in your thinking, but this is the time now. This is the time. The undercurrent is the most important thing. The mm-hmm. undercurrent is that there's addressment, there's awareness, and, you know, it's therefore going to open the doors um, to the conversation and the approaches um, that maybe were previously being closed off to you because also people had a lazy rhetoric and they was like, we'll go with the trusted agencies, we'll go with the trusted organisations. We know that, you know, our supply list is this person, this person, this person. Now, you know, all the rules are out. They're yeah. all, you know, it's a whole new, a whole new shift in thinking. Exactly. You know? exactly. The curtain has been pulled back. Mm-hmm. The curtain has been pulled back. Yeah. So true. So true. The curtain has been pulled back. It really has. Very yeah. interesting. Um, I think this is a really exciting time. And do you know what, Wesley? Thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your experiences and your thoughts. Pleasure. Um, really appreciate it. Um, and thank you so much. We'll catch up again soon. I'm sure. Absolute pleasure.